Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters from their humble folkloric beginnings to their modern-day incarnations. I am one of your hosts, Leonard, and today I am joined by Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty well. This has been, it's been a rough week. I was really tired, but I'm, I feel pretty good. It might be because I'm on my second cup of coffee, so I can't, mm. I cannot disclude the caffeine being the culprit of me being focused and awake for this moment in time. That could change by the end of this, but we'll, we'll see. Good to hear. Uh, and I myself am also tired. Uh, the Red Bull that I am currently ingesting is not working. Uh, however, I have a glass of water to chase it with, which will also not work. But hey, that's uh, what can you do? Um, well, what we, we can do is uh, conclude our three-episode excursion in Doppelgangers. Uh, Today we will be covering Robert Altman's 1972 only horror film, Images, uh, starring Susan York and others. Do you have a cast list? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, I have a cast list, mostly because there's only like five players. So we have Rene Abergenois, Marcel Bozouf, and Catherine Harrison, and then um, I don't have it pulled up, but there's another credit for the, the, the voice over the phone. Ah. It's a small cast. It is a small cast. It's a, it's a small cast with a big movie. Um, but before we get into that, I believe you had some uh, some uh, Something for the audience? I, did I? <laughs> oh, I thought we were... We Were we not gonna... Did, did I completely misunderstand? Are we just going to... Oh, are we doing a... I don't know what we're doing, Dave. I, I, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Woken up. I was I was doing so well. I was I was doing so well, and it all fell apart. Uh, much like our protagonist Catherine's life. See, there we go. There's the loop around, and we pull it back in. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so originally, <laughs> the plan was to have some backup folklore stuff that that didn't happen. It's it's been too crazy of a week. Um, We'll footnote that in somewhere. <laughs> so it'll just be we'll just be wrapping this up with it with this film, which uh, I think is a fitting it's a fitting bookend because this uh, undermine. Well, I don't even know if it undermines. I think it it underscores maybe our our thesis of can a, a doppelganger be good and or neutral this is a case of neutral maybe yeah, yeah big <laughs> I question i don't even know it's not there's a it's, it's not big the other way mark. it's not evil the intent is not malicious it's just unfortunate yes would be my read on 
Um, I, well, I'm glad to hear that you you do have a read on it, because uh, while I, I'm not going to say that I didn't enjoy this movie, uh, film, sorry, I know, uh, movie people, film people don't like the, them to be called movies, um, while I, 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 I enjoyed this film, um, I found it utterly exhausting, uh, which is why we are going to forego our usual scene-by-scene uh, scene for it, because uh, this movie is basically impossible to talk about uh, from a narrative structure standpoint, uh, <laughs> and so we're just going to really deal with the themes and feelings that this movie invokes, because uh, it's it's got a real wild narrative structure that is kind of impossible to talk about. Well, it, it's not impossible, but it would take longer to unravel all of the little threads than um, not only do we have time for, but it's not what we do as much. No. I mean, we, do, we pick apart some things, but uh, this... That would be going f- too far into um, film criticism and like, yes. theory and other stuff that uh, we just we, we have our toes in, I think. But yes. that's not our our bread and butter. Um, unfortunately, I wish I was better at it. Uh, we've had some practice, but not nearly enough to to dig that far into it. Uh, so basically, the long and short of this is our. Um, our main character, uh, she, Catherine, I can't I, even... So what they it did, is Catherine. It's, it's Catherine. So uh, a little bit of trivia for this. Uh, they took the f- all of the characters, are their, their first name is one of the actors, but not the person playing the character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you just like shuffled everyone's name around and gave somebody a new name card, like that's what happened. Uh, yes. So, Catherine is a uh, children's author, and um, she she lives with her husband in a very swank apartment um, in Europe, and she's <laughs> under a lot of stress trying to finish her latest novel, uh, among other stressors uh, that have put her on edge. There is um, the illusion of maybe her husband is cheating on her. She has suspicions. And that all kind of boils together um, to to cause her to have like kind of a mental break. So she and her husband go on a retreat to their other countryside home because they're just <laughs> rolling in the dough. Uh, and the story kind of... It gives us the through line of what's happened to her recent in the recent past to kind of form the issue she's having. Uh, it's very, it's a very dreamlike structure. It's unreliable. We're getting the viewpoint eventually um, from her, so we'll get into that part too because it's very important uh, and. The, their little um, countryside trip um, just starts to unravel from there, from the word go. Uh, and that's that's our, our, our journey is along with Catherine as she's trying to 
put her life back together. The, pu- yes. the, the, the puzzle pieces of her life or some puzzle pieces are missing. <laughs> um, but she, maybe she has some extras in a bag somewhere. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, and the film culminates in a an unwelcome discovery uh, on, on two, at least two fronts. And um, not a not a happy ending for anybody really. Um, that's that's the long and short of it. It's it's a woman whose marriage and life and everything is kind of breaking down, and she's trying to cope with that. Uh, yes, and that's that that's the movie. Like that's what it is. Um, there's other factors like in play that start to like leak in from outside. So the other interpretations are that um, uh, um, she's a stand-in for the director Robert Altman, like at that time in his life, um, trying to uh, use like sort of multimedia approaches to film and decide mm-hmm. what he's doing from there. So it's a very personal project. Um, but at the same time, it kind of became one for each of the actors because it's a small cast. There's only two locations, and um, they they off offset uh, during filming. We're kind of day day by day workshopping the scenes that we're going to do. So it's kind of on the fly, and then just following a baseline script uh, that adds to the disjointed uh, narrative and the dreamlike structure of it. And also kind of makes each performance a little more personal. Uh, and then a, mm. a, fun, a fun bit is uh, at least, I think it's Rene Arugenau, um doesn't speak English. So I think he was reading, his, he was trying to memorize his lines phonetically, but they kept changing the script day by day. So he was like, okay. having a lot. So everyone was under a lot of stress um, trying <laughs> to do this, which comes through in their performances. Yes. Because he, he's who portrayed Hugh, her husband, and I have never seen a more stressed out man <laughs> than, than a he in a film they, where he's not really on screen a lot. Do you know if they ended up ADRing him at the end, or was that him? Uh, I think it was him, and if, if that's the case, it's very surprising because of, of anyone. He had the, like, the most perfect accent. Yes. Um... Yeah, that's the reason why. Because I was just yeah, like, I, I don't, I don't when think I saw it's his voiceover, okay. Because when I saw his name, I was like, man, that's real French. And I'm like, but that he didn't. Say, I'm like, did they did they dub him over? That doesn't seem like something that Altman would have done. So I'm actually really impressed with his uh, with it's, his it's, accent. Yeah, I want to say it's the actor. Uh, and then another point of trivia, which is a little more depressing, is everybody in this film um, had passed away uh, by 2019, I think. Uh, which is weird, because some of them are quite a bit young. Uh, even, yeah. Uh, uh, even the main actress, um, Susan Susanna York, she was like 30, which is uh, 31 or something. It was really weird, because she does not look... And that's the thing. Going back and watching a lot of these films, you get um, you get thrown off because uh, as we were growing up, uh, a lot of the teenage faces uh, were actors in their like late twenties or early thirties. 
Yes. And then you see you see actors that are supposed to be about that age, but they just look so much older. And it's like not yes. makeup effects. That's just how people yeah. look. That Dave. that's just the past. <laughs> that's just the past, Dave. Everyone just um, looks so old. <laughs> What's going on? Don't look in the mirror, Mike. Oh, don't worry about me because I I still lo- because because I I I am uh, I am born of lich, uh, lich blood. Uh, so my family doesn't age. So even though I'm almost forty, I still look like I'm in my early twenties. And even though my sister is in her fifties, she also still looks like she's in her early twenties. Uh, it is. It is uh, uh, the power of, of of our family line to never physically age. Yeah, uh, and my my family is kind of the same way. Um, I I look a few years younger than my years, provided I shave, because now I'm I'm reaching the uh, the stage of life where my beard is showing my wisdom and and. The, the bit of hair I have left has gone mostly gray, so I just you uh, know remove it. <laughs> it's right. much easier that way, and we're not doing the dye the beard like Steven Seagal. I'm just not having it. <laughs> or Chuck Norris, or anyone whose hair is, is is so youthful and, and dark, and you're like, mm, I don't so so clearly treated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that bears little on our um, this film. So that's that's the long and short of it. Uh, you're hosting the episode. I took over that. Oh else. yes, you did. Uh, you did. Well, you did. That's the, no, that's the, I did on purpose for the synopsis. So that's the synopsis of the film plus some trivia. Now let's maybe get into the nitty gritty because there's a lot of gritty. Yeah. Uh, so it begins with a voiceover and a montage sequence. Uh, Catherine is uh, trying to finish uh, a new book uh, and having very little success with it. Uh, there's sequences of her writing notes and typing and she so man i didn't realize they lived in an apartment building uh because their apartment has a den that is downstairs i'm not crazy right she went up some stairs at the end of this month yeah and um the the weirdest thing and maybe that was a thing because this is it was filmed in 1971 uh there's a phone in every room and it's so bizarre Oh yeah, oh yeah, there is, uh, and yeah, that was actually yes, I can I can attest. Not that I was around in seventy one, but I can attest that um, uh, at least from my childhood, there was uh, actually a phone in every room. <laughs> I you know I think we had um, yeah no I guess we did. There, there was there were there were we had a phone in the kitchen on on like the wall and mm-hmm. then. One in the living room, one in the hallway, and some of the bedroom. Yeah, so I guess we did have phones in every room. Um, this yeah. just seemed really weird because the phones felt really close together because the the, the <laughs> sense of space was kind of for such cramped. a large apartment was cramped. I, yeah, I don't. It's a weird way that it's like you're panning through the space. Uh, 
And, you know, the reason being for that for the audience who may be younger is that the there were no cordless phones, so your cord was only going to get you so far, which means you needed to, like, be able to continue a conversation if you're wandering around or, or such. Um, so you would just pick up the next phone. And you could yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a connected line. So right. you, could, you could be on one, and I remember doing this, um, or or something like that effect, is if someone's on the phone and you pick up another phone, you're, you're just now part of the conversation. Or yep. you can just listen to it. And if you put your <laughs> hand over the receiver or the, uh, yeah, the, the transmitter, um, then your breath isn't audible, but you can still hear the conversation. As you find that in movies when you watch them, not in real life. No one does that in real life. No. Well, certainly not anymore. They don't. No. <laughs> or or uh, as, the, as the movie uses the, um, uh, because a lot of things were going through switchboards, uh, stuff could get like lines could get crossed. And that's a, yes, the turn of phrase cross lines. Um, but you could accidentally be like picking up someone else's conversation or, or it got rerouted somehow um, through the switchboard and you're just, on a phone call that wasn't the one you were you were on originally, which is a conceit that the film is willing to allow, um, because as she's as um, Catherine is talking to her her, her best friend, um, another voice like sort of usurps that other side of the conversation. Yes, um, this is the introduction of the weirdness. This voice. Uh, 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 basically accosts Catherine during her conversation, uh, makes her uncomfortable. Her phone comes in. Catherine's like, oh, I guess we got lo- our, <clears throat> our lines got crossed. Somebody else was talking to me. Uh, and uh, they end their conversation. The phone rings again. It's the same voice. And now she's goading Catherine. Where do you think your husband is? Where do you think you is? He's at a business meeting. Oh, really? Is that what he... Is that what he told you? And uh, at one point gives her uh, the telephone number and the address for the uh, uh, hotel where some possible infidelity may be taking place. Uh, Catherine calls, uh, gets uh, a busy signal, hangs up the phone, the voice calls back. Oh, well, I'm sure that if you tried the number, then... You you wouldn't have gotten anything. I'm sure the line was busy because, you know, what do you do when you don't want to be disturbed? You just pull the phone off of the hook and Catherine then proceeds to pull all of the phones off of the hook um, and then go to sleep, pass out fitfully. Um, and is and this is where we're introduced to her husband Hugh, who, uh, considering where this movie goes, uh, I was actually kind of surprised that uh, he wasn't unfaithful because everything about Hugh screams like skeezy jerk husband. And don't get me wrong, he is a jerk husband, but apparently he's not cheating on her, or at least possibly not cheating on her. But everything about him, I was just like, oh, you're so gross. I dislike yeah, you immediately. He's not, a, he's, he's not a great guy, but we don't get any um, viewer evidence of him being unfaithful. Like, right. It's, it's just accusatory, um, but not, there's no proof of that. Yes. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yes, this is 1972. 
I, they, uh, take off your driving gloves first, not last. That's weird. Oh, man, don't get me started on that. I'm just like, every single scene, I'm like, why is, like, the driving gloves the first thing on and the last thing off? Like, every single time I see this dude, I was just like, I, man, I don't like you. (laughs) Everything about him was just like, oh, man, yeah, you are cheating. Like, I was thoroughly convinced for like three fourths of this movie that he w- that he was actually cheating on Catherine before I realized what this movie actually was so but yeah, yeah I was like and he's just a workaholic I, that's just what it is is he's just so caught up in work that that's that's he values that over his relationship yes 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 he does yeah. um, uh, and he's also the kind of man that we we, we See us with the gloves, but I feel like sometimes he takes his trousers off, but has his shoes still on. Oh, he had the um, uh, not I wanted to call them spats, but he had those like ankle the ankle straps for the yeah. socks to make sure that the, yeah he has those still on. Yeah, he takes off his yeah he takes off his trousers. He still has those on. Still has the gloves on and like his dress shirt. And I'm just like. Everything about you, I want you to not be in front of me presenting yourself the way that you are. I deeply dislike. I deeply dislike it. Yeah, and he, uh, he's, he's also still at a, he's at, still at a business meeting at four o'clock in the morning. It's like, what? yeah. I mean, maybe they were out for drinks because he's smoking a little cigarello, but it was like a lot. It's a lot for an introduction, and you're just going. There's no way that he wasn't with some lady. And then yeah. it's like, actually, no, he's just kind of a douchebag and was just working, but right. is a jerk to his wife. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, he's that. the kind of guy that's, that is like gaslighting her, but he's not cheating. He's just not willing. He, yeah, he's just not willing to... Um, accept anything that she's saying as like what's really going on yes yeah there's a lot of gaslighting in this movie um and you know when it boils down to it uh poor poor catherine she's gaslighting herself worst of all oh yeah it's real yeah um so he's like hey why are all the phones off the receiver what if i tried to call you and she's like well don't you take the phones off the receiver when when you don't want to be disturbed and he's like oh i don't know what this is about uh hey let's go down go to the country so maybe you can finish your book because you seem real stressed out and she's like really and she's like yes and uh and so they do um at first i was uh, we get a driving sequence where Catherine's asleep there's a lot of use of wind chimes uh in this movie which i thought was going to come into play more but no no it's just a visual sound motif thing that the whole movie has um uh she's asleep uh Hugh pulls over on the side of the road and I believe their like country home is in, in Scotland or something. Yeah. And I was like and I was just like, wait a minute, that steering wheel's on the wrong side of the that car. You can't fool me, movie. And then he gets out and there's a big old USA sticker on the back, and I'm like, Alright, okay, so it's an American. 
It's an American car in Europe. Fine, you got fine movie. Um, but he gets out and like runs over a hill. Catherine follows after him, and he's like, "Look, they're a quail." And I'm just like, "What? How did you see that from the side of the road?" And he runs, and we we're introduced to Chekhov's gun, literally, as he pulls out his shotgun <laughs> out of the trunk of the car. Uh, and goes off to uh, hunt some quail and tells Catherine to just like, yeah, just bring the car, just finish up the drive and I'll meet you there. Uh, and as Catherine is observing their uh, very lovely, lavish cottage uh, from uh, the crest of the hill, uh, she sees the car, their car pull up and watches herself get out and go into the uh, house and then... We are following this Catherine. Uh, once again, I thought that was going to set up something that pays off. I mean, it technically does, but from a narrative perspective, I thought that this was uh, going to pay off in some way. But it it, it, it doesn't. It pays off thematically. Um, uh, and it is... Man, did they just not have anybody take care of this place while they don't use it? Because there are leaves everywhere somehow inside this house. She uh, immediately lights the chimney, um, at which <laughs> uh, begins to bellow out smoke because she didn't open the flume. Uh, she's hearing people whisper her name. A woman really mainly whisper her name as she's going about looking at the place. It's, I have a lot of questions, Dave, about like the logistics of, of how you keep a summer home like this or a, a, a second home like this and just have no maintenance done to it or anyone watch it. I don't know. It was 1970. Um, no idea. I don't have the kind of money to have a second home or a first home <laughs> or in a lavish apartment like that or wear driving gloves. I don't know. They're, they're so far out of my social bracket that I, I have no idea. But yes, um, if you have that kind of money, I would have hired a caretaker or just had the neighbor, you know, come by to make sure the door is not just hanging open and letting the leaves in. Is my yeah my thought. Uh, so backing up slightly, the scene where she's on the bluff overlooking the, the house and watching um, herself finish the drive. Uh, yes, it, I think it's one. It's probably one of my favorite shots because it switches narrative perspective without changing characters. Uh, yes, what what we get that's fantastic is. As it wheels down to the, the Catherine driving up, she looks back up and then sees her, you know, a figure on the bluff looking down at her. But it's so, it's so far away. You're like, is it a person or just, you know, a, a tree, you know, a speck? It's, it's very tiny. Mm -hmm. um, but we know what that is. And it's, it's, it's serving to create that. The, it's, it's like the um, uh, Alice going through the looking glass or through the rabbit hole and it's changing. It, it's setting this cottage up as its own little world. Yes. 
uh, or yeah. maybe like a you know you're looking into like a little globe, a little um, kind of a time capsule, because mm-hmm. what what goes on here is the the almost quite literal uh, ghosts of her past um, are are coalescing in this space to kind of um, torment her. Yes. Is what's happening, but not really. It's the weirdest, like, it's literally happening to the character, but it's only figuratively happening to the character because no one else is privy to that that descent. Right. Um, yeah. It's... It's, uh, yeah, this is, this is the beginning of where, um, where I, 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 I got really, I started off really invested because like, uh, as you mentioned, that shot of, of, of Bluff Catherine, Catherine and House Catherine, like, uh, regarding one another, uh, is really fantastic and sets up, like, really gets your imagination going on where this is going to be because, uh, I simply assumed that the voice on the other end of the phone harassing Catherine was Catherine. And I was like, okay, is this going it, to be um, like... It is. Like, it's not the actress, but right. my my read of the film is, is it's her. And that's established in, like, the closing shots of the movie. Mm. Um, and so I was like, okay, is this going to be, like, a dissociative identity disorder thing, but with, like doppelganger like a doppelganger twist and so i uh you know uh we're we're starting the starting off and and catherine's like catherine's already off catherine was catherine was a a little off even from the beginning um obviously with the phone call stuff like that's all all set up but it, it she's she 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 has like really rapid mood swings throughout the entire film um and you know given that the the film everything presented in the film is from her perspective like the way the film is shot uh and and everything that occurs uh it is from her per, like it is as real as it is to her so it's impossible for the the viewer to get a a um any actual footing on what is and isn't going on uh which um uh, is uh kind of one of my problems with it once again i really like this movie I like the way that it's shot, but the fact that there isn't any stable ground or anything that I can legitimately pin as real and a thing that actually happened uh, makes the the movie difficult. And mainly it's based on the length of it because this movie's nearly two hours long. So not having any kind of solid footing like for those events uh, can become a little exhausting, uh, but that's just a side note. She and, and, I, uh, and I think it's supposed to be. Yes, I I would agree. Um, um, I would agree that the intent is to be exhausting because it then puts you squarely in in Catherine's perspective because she's having a real bad time during the 
all of the events of this movie, and that's well, what she's. It's not, and that's the thing is, it's not just now. This isn't a sudden like change. Right. Uh, it it reads as if she's broken down by her her life, her decisions, um, her husband. Like it, it's a it's not. I'm not gonna sit there and put like the blame on one person because it's it's a lot. It's it's the whole cast. It's these four people yes. are. They're not great people, um, and yes. and they the storm of them together um, as it is here uh, is it's too much, and it it broke her down uh, because she's carrying baggage of like past affairs is basically mm-hmm. what happened. The things that she's accusing her husband of are things that she had herself had done. Um, yes. And it's a little weird because it's she's dealing, she's obsessing over it, but she's dealing with um, guilt. Uh, mm-hmm. Her the the, the implication is um, Hugh is unable to have children, but she is pregnant, so that means that she's carrying the child of one of the men she had an affair with, which she was having an affair on purpose, not out of love for any of these men. Uh, aside from her husband, it was to be able to have a child and say that it was hers and Hughes, and then right. use that to like re-cement the family, maybe pull his attention away from work back to home where it belongs. There's mm. there's a lot going on that the movie is saying, but it it does in in like in the way you have to like unravel a ball of yarn, or she's yes. kind of in a maze. And, or really not a maze. I would say like a maze, but like a funhouse mirror maze. Yes. Where you're not really sure always what you're looking at or if that's the exit or if it's just a warped version of you. Um, so that's, that's the crux of the film. Uh, and another thing that the director, um, Kind of, he he picked um, Susanna York uh, for her acting ability, but also because of her specific looks. He had seen her in films that weren't great films, but she's a good presence in them. So it, mm-hmm. the, she elevated those films to like be watchable. Um, here, he knew that it was going to be like two locations. You're basically fo- the cameras. She's in almost every single shot of the movie. Yes. So you have the audience has to be able to look at her for almost two hours, like nonstop. Mm. Um, but even still, you're never looking at the same um, Catherine or Catherine. Right. Catherine, even though Catherine, whoever. We're never looking at the same. It's, she's she's changing because she's going through like just sudden character arcs she's she's back in the past she's in the present she's not sure where she's at um and Mm. because she's the focus for the audience we don't know what point in time like her personality is sitting in right because she's going crazy yes (laughs) yes um 
Yeah, for for somebody that decided to take the sabbatical to finish her book, there is surprisingly little work done on the book. Uh, the narration does come back in, uh, and it's never I. I uh, well, no, it happens once. Uh, but I was going to say it's never in the house, uh, but it happens once in the house. Uh, but it's always when she's out of the house, walking in nature, um, and and trying to write this, like, fantasy novel, um, uh, like, children's book fantasy novel. Yeah, it's, though- it's, like, it's like The Last Unicorn, that, yes. that era. Um, and the thing is, the actress is the author of that book, and she was writing it at the time. And Robert Altman's like, hey, let's put some excerpts from your book as narration. Like, so they're not tied in with the film specifically, but they're they're used for that. And with them workshopping the script, they probably kind of worked that in. Because some points uh, of the, narr- the voiceover in the forest and things kind of feels like it lines up with what her character's doing or, or yes. kind of how, how she's changing. Yeah. Um, and that's surprising uh, because at the end I thought it was like just a little clever thing when they were uh, oh, I guess it did say Susan York. Uh, uh, I don't know yeah. why, but when the book title came up and it said Susan York, I really did like just kind of visually replace it with like Catherine's name for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Like I thought it was just like a little cute diegetic thing of like, and now we're going to credit the author for finishing her book because it ties in. It's kind of ironic that it ties in this way with the way that the film ends. I didn't even realize that it was actually the actress. Um, anyway, um, uh, once they arrive, things are already kind of stressed out. The fire get the fire situation gets resolved because she didn't open the flume. But then her husband like transforms into another guy um, in a really great shot where he's uh, uh, peering through like some double doors and he's uh, a different actor having a conversation with her, her and he passes through it and then walks past an open uh, uh, door frame and it's her husband and you're like, oh, okay, so she's going crazy. Um but she isn't, because then this mysterious man appears later, and they clearly have history. Um, and this is one of her uh, lovers, um, Renee. Yes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, Renee and Marcel are the two men uh, whose accent was so thick that I actually had to put on, uh, turn on the closed captioning because I could not understand. Yes. <laughs> he has a very thick French accent. And for the first scene, I literally could not understand anything that he was saying. And I thought that he was supposed to be like unintelligible. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and this just kind of, like, uh, do we have scenes of note that we, things that are really important? No, like, this movie's they're, really different. They're, they're important in what they're saying, but not anything visually as much. It, it, um, because we can't, like, recount all the things in the scene. 
It's right. You need to be watching it. Um, the long and short of it is Renee is one of the men that she was having dalliances with um, in order to conceive a child. Yes. Uh, he was her, her French lover. Um, who died, and, in, a and plane he died crash? in a plane crash that she sent him on? Like, it. I don't remember the particulars, but it was a trip that I think she'd asked him to make or something, so she felt responsible for his death, basically. Yes. Um, he, yes, and he, she killed him. This, even, even the ghost of Renee, like, he's not blaming her. Nope. Um, he, he's not... Um, he's a manifestation of that guilt, but not in a way that's... Um, and this is the problem, is it's the, she's feeling these, this guilt or for whatever, for her past actions, but um, they're not self-recriminations because she's putting them outside of herself. Mm-hmm. So she's right. she's she's trapped by that and bothered by it, but she's not acknowledging it. Like mm-hmm. she's refusing to like face the things that are troubling her that have caused the situation in the first place is part and parcel of like her big breakdowns because she's she's just kept it all locked up and now it's spilling out, but it's not in a constructive way. Right. Um, so yeah. So I mean, she she ultimately is goaded um, into like murdering the ghost of the Nay. And yeah. Yes. You know, she. That's where the shotgun comes back in. Is she? She shoots him with it. Um, and in the process, destroys her husband's like very fancy work camera. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, that's great. That's a great shot. Um, and this uh, occurs after we are introduced to uh, Marcel and Susanna. Yeah. Uh, Hugh, once again, being an absolute, like, really just unobservant jerk, uh, goes out yeah. and does some shopping uh, and and brings home some guests. Uh, there's, oh man, there's this, so there's this, like, crawl space, this very Harry Potter crawl space underneath the staircase in, in, in the house, and, uh, uh, Catherine's regarded it a few times, she's closed it when it's been slightly cracked, and she opens it, and there's, like, a mirror, and, like, like, mirror inside, and she just sees a young girl, um, it reflected in the mirror, and then closes it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute, cool, that's like, uh, like, oh, that's probably something that she did as a child, and she's, she's seeing herself. Nope, it's, it's, there's an, actually a small girl in there, uh, daughter of, uh, uh, Marcel, a, another ex-lover, um, uh, who is like, uh, real, I also dislike, I don't dislike every single male character in this movie. So, yeah, <laughs> I think of the three men, Renee was the the better of them. Like, yeah. the best. He's not, I mean, given this is, like, guilt, Renee, I have no idea what the actual man was like. He's pretty suave. But um, he's not, like, smarmy. Whereas yeah. Hugh's, Hugh's a jerk. He's just self-absorbed. Uh, Marcel is... A, a jerk, but he's absorbed with like Susanna. Uh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, Catherine. Catherine. Uh, he he's like 
an unrepentant womanizer. So he's yes. not like sympathetic, really. No. As- as- well, and this is the tough part is because uh, Catherine is projecting her past as ghosts of these men, and it's it's not always reliable. She's always right. seeing them, but we don't know. There's not indicators in the film that's showing when it's the real men and when it's her, like, imagination of them. Right. Uh, because which, that becomes a thing, too. <laughs> yeah, that becomes an issue, and it also becomes, like, was Marcel actively making, like, extra advances on her? Or was that in her head? I can't tell if it was right. actually happening. Hugh is, like, the dumbest, blindest man in the... He, like, he doesn't care about his wife so much that he's, like, actively ignoring other men. Very obvious signs. Yeah, like, like, it's in the same room. Yeah. So... that That's fair. <laughs> that That is fair. You're going, like, yeah, none of, none of these... None of, none of the characters are great. They're all kind of, like, bad people. Um, in the sense that their their morals are just askew, um, right. but again, we don't. Aside from Hugh, maybe we're not right. getting like accurate pictures of any of them. Mm-hmm. And they we're, are the... we're getting we're getting them through the already kind of cracked lens um, of of uh, of Catherine. And that's the other. It's the other bookend of the film because the the the, the movie the opening shots is of um, one of Hughes' camera lenses. Yes, uh, and then I think the end. Um, we're getting a lot of um, shots of things, not always through a mirror, but like at a mirror. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of this yes. is 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 it's supposed you know it's like self-reflections and reflections of other people and what how you see people through different lenses uh Mm -hmm. or what you see in a mirror like not literally but that that idea um of these refracted images not being like the correct thing like it doesn't mean we're seeing it like the right way Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the entire narrative is not only dreamlike, disjointed, but also hor- like horrendously unreliable. Like, this is yes. the strongest case of an unreliable narrative that I think I've seen. Oh yeah, it, it it this this is unreliable narrator the motion picture like because every because the film is so explicitly framed from her perspective like like there's blood like she throws like something at Renee's head and he's bleeding and bleeds all over the couch and goes into the kitchen to like wipe his head off. Um, and then it cuts and it's Hugh and the blood's still there because Hugh had. Hit, had injured himself by getting his like thumb caught in the um, firing trigger of the shotgun, uh, and that's where the blood came from. So, like, it's like doing that where it's like, okay, yeah, the blood was real, but the circumstances for its appearance weren't, 
And clearly, because it's from Catherine's perspective, like, we can't determine what is and is it real. Like, are, are acts of violence actually real? And hey, guess what? That's also a Chekhov's gun for later in the film. Um, <clears throat> uh, and it's, it's, it, I, yeah, it, once again, I think, I, I know it was probably the intent but it was ex- it's it's really exhausting to not be certain about what is going on for such a long period of time. So, I mean, once yeah. again, if that and, was the and, intent, and imagine that happening for days on end, weeks on end, months. Yes, like yes, yeah. If you if you weren't unsure and kind of going loopy in the beginning, you are real fast, um, and. That uh, that sort of trauma and that she's recontextualizing stuff on the fly, mm-hmm. like her head. She's seeing things, but her her mind is tricking her into like recontextualizing grief and trauma and obsession and all of these things and spinning it. Um, in a way that's that's accessible to her, but isn't doing her any good. Right. It's like that she's 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 reliving things, and the trauma of them isn't being processed, or it's being processed, but in like the wrong filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So it's it's hard to watch because you're seeing, you're seeing like firsthand, like someone's downward spiral. Yes. And, and from their perspective, like you, you, you understand exactly why the spiral is in fact taking place because she, she can't even determine what's real, what's going on when she, where she is, when she is, who she is with. Like the 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 male characters start switching places, um, like yeah, in in the same the scene, it's yes, it's um, the editing is fantastic. Like the, the the cinematography, like the score, it's John Williams. This is yes, a well, very well put together movie. Um, yes, it's very like the it's the set design, it's fantastic. Each of the rooms have like their own personality. Um, but with it being basically only two locations and then bits of a city beyond like a car window, uh, your such care is like put into that design to make it feel uh, both claustrophobic and mm-hmm. kaleidoscopic. Like I don't know how to how to better like phrase that but i think a large part of her character is that uh she's she's trapped in her life she's trapped in her apartment because she's just you know working on writing a book you kind of need that some degree of isolationism but her one outlet aside from her, her friend who does come over to watch movies and things, um, is supposed to be her husband, and he's just not there for her. Right. So she's she's 
trapped in her work, in her marriage, in her life, in, in like every kind of way. And then any, any sort of escape that she took to kind of fix things were these dalliances with these other men. And that, um, they didn't fulfill like the, the niche that it was supposed to do. Um, in mm. one case, because Renee died tragically. And then the other, um, Marcella's, uh, I, I, I think her relationship with him was like years ago. That was not a yes. fresh one. Um, right. But, but Marcel's having trouble with his wife or they split up or she died. I don't know. Divorce. Um, because he's, yeah, he's raising his daughter. He loves his daughter, but he's sees, I think he probably knows just as well as, um, uh, Catherine that her relationship with Hugh is like not a solid one. Mm -hmm. And he knows she's not happy and he's like, well, we can, we're both unhappy, but we've been friends in the past. And like, why should that, um, why should our current circumstances like, uh, prevent us from finding happiness again? Right. Like he's trying to dredge that, that kind of intimacy up from the past. And, um, he's hoping that she feels the same way and he's, He's confused because, well, yes, they're cheating on her, her husband, like, in the same room, basically. But she's in such a broken situation that she's accepting those advances in one, in, in one second, and the next she's, like, you know, vehement to, to him. Right. So he's yes. getting crazy mixed signals. Um, she doesn't know where she's at. It's right. not, not the best person to have an advance on, you know, just right yeah. now. <laughs> so the fault is like the blame is, is, is everywhere. Like you yes. can just splash it on screen and you're hitting the thing that, that is already kind of mired in paint. Um, the only one that's not really involved is Susanna, but she's, She's a real girl. She's Marcel's daughter, but she's also like weirdly, I almost want to say the young doppelganger of um, Catherine. And she says, yep. she's like, I want to be, I want to be just like you when I grow up or I want to be you when I you know, grow up. I think she says, I'm going to be exactly like yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. I'm going up. to be exactly like you and Catherine's like, no. Yeah. No, I already thought you weren't real, like in the cupboard. <laughs> oh, well, and it's also one of it's like one of the only scenes that like Catherine's not on screen, uh, because Suzanne because there's a there's a jigsaw puzzle that is, once again, I thought was going to, you know, have have some sort of greater payoff. Um other than like metaphorically, it's, yeah, it's metaphorically. That's all <laughs> there is of it. Um, my favorite part was like, "What is it of?" And I'm like, "Well, I can clearly see a house." And Catherine's like, "I don't know." And she, I was just like screaming, "Well, clearly, part of it is a house, Catherine." Uh, but uh, Susanna's like, "Yeah, uh, there are pieces missing." And Catherine's like, "Oh, I know where they are." And she goes off screen, and Susanna gets up and opens the cupboard that she was hiding in and Catherine's in there 
even though Catherine did not go into the the cupboard to retrieve the pieces. And so I'm just like, oh, I guess perhaps she is going to grow up to be exactly like Catherine because she is clearly seeing a Catherine that isn't there. And it's one of the few times that Catherine isn't present in the scene. Um, like yeah. for just a split second, Susanna becomes the unreliable narrator and she's just as unreliable as Catherine. Which is like a horrendous like framing. That's yes. horrible. That you don't want that. There's um I think just personally and I think we brought this up before because we were going to, to do take a look at some um films and we eventually will on uh loss of faculty and memory um due to aging. Yeah. And that's in line with this. This is that um, you know your 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 own perspective and everything has become skewed. Um, uh, a mental instability, and it it doesn't just have to be like inherited or genetic. It could just happen. And yes, that's like the the bleaker part of this that makes this a horror film. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a. It's not a nice movie. It's not pleasant. There's a dreamlike quality, but it's the dream uh, of like a Brothers Grimm movie. You know, the the fairy tale feeling of it is, you know, the lost the the last unicorn, but the the scary parts of it, the, yes. the, the Red Bull and that that kind of thing. Um, it's where things are turn tragic but like that's the only way they could have been mm-hmm. like you're watching you're watching like the the you know they're you're going down a hill and it's getting steeper and steeper and steeper and there's jagged rocks at the bottom and you you can only just keep going down you can't go back right and, that, and that's what this is or it's like watching a car crash in slow motion that also feels it, appropriate. <laughs> it it uh, for me, it felt like it was uh, it was skirting. It was like exactly on that razor's edge of uh, where a dream turns into a nightmare, but it just stays there the entire time. Uh, yeah, and it's so, in a comfortable space, right? Um, it yeah, it's real bad. Um, so Hugh, uh, has to go back, go back to the city, uh, for work, uh, and has the sickest pair of glasses that I've ever seen. Uh, they're so amazing that Robert Altman (laughs) shows him take them off and they just fold into a nice, neat little compact that he puts into his vest pocket. And I'm like... Oh, I want a, I want a pair of glasses he's, like that. Yeah, if anything, the wardrobe, and especially for Hugh, is very stylish. He's, he's yes. a decked out dude. Yes. Uh, and uh, Catherine's not happy about it, and then she's fine with it. 
Uh, she drives him to the train station. She comes back. She does work. Uh, when she's on her way back, he sees uh, she sees Marcel a co- uh, uh, flirting with a woman outside of a bar. He later appears in uh, the house uh, to uh, once again uh, ask uh, Catherine to em- embark on an affair. Uh, with him on you, uh, and uh, Catherine having uh, come to the conclusion that she can just murder the the spirits that are tormenting her, um, grabs a kitchen knife, and as he's uh, pulling the uh, bottom of his shirt over his head, stabs him in the throat, and it's really graphic and really awful, and he, like, dies on, like, a very nice leather chair. Um, all the blood seems to, to get on this one single leather club chair. Uh, and she's like, ah, and that is done. And because she's... This is where you start to think uh, Catherine's, like, starting to uh, gain control over uh, these, these visions, these these hallucinations possible ghosts um because she just walks upstairs and goes to bed uh comes down in the morning body's still there but she's like yep clearly clearly that i'm i'm just hallucinating that um uh uh elderly gentleman that uh um uh rushed back when she accidentally shot, well, when she shot Renee slash Hugh's camera, she invites him in for tea, even though the body's still there from her perspective. He he declines, and then Susanna comes by uh, and says, uh, I don't know where my dad is, <laughs> sparking panic in Catherine. Uh, but eventually she relents and tells her that he came home around 12, uh, last night, Catherine invites her in, and of course the body's gone because now she uh, knows for a fact that she didn't actually, uh, I'm sorry, I said Renee, but I mean Marcel. She didn't yeah. actually stab Marcel to death in the throat. Um, but uh, this is where they have the conversation about how she's going to grow up to be exactly like her. Uh, and then Catherine just leaves where she because this is the this is the segment like right this is the ending um she so she uh because Hugh is supposed to have gone back and is just at their apartment working right um but she sent him on the train so she has the car to get back so she's just she feels like she's free of the apparition. She's done what she needed to do. Like her her break worked, um, and now she's ready to go back home. Oh, and she drove Susanna back. Yeah, she, That's she what happened. So this is the part where um, my impression of Marcel, uh, because it's so it's been so unreliable up till now. I don't think mm-hmm. that he came over, uh, and no. I think that he's just. And she's putting on him the past Marcel, like mm-hmm. whatever it was when they were having their affair. Um, and now he's just single dad taking care of his daughter out in the country. Like that's mm-hmm. what it reads. And he just reads as like a friendly dude. That's just the neighbor because it's like, Hey, I got steaks, you know, Hey, and then she just like, takes off. Right. Yeah. 
He doesn't feel smarmy like he's been having been portrayed. Right. Right. It is yes, it very much feels like a a different it's a it's a completely different performance during this last brief sequence of him and he seems legitimately confused as to why she's like rushing off. Yeah. But that's that's, um, that's what we see of them. She's uh heading back and uh comes across um uh, old, uh, she's seen him before. It's like an old guy that has a little truck, but the truck mm-hmm. um, has a flat tire, and he's trying to get it fixed. Um, but then she also sees her doppelganger, which she's seen a couple times in the forest, which we just passed by, and it didn't. Um, it it's less meaningful than it is here. Yes, ex- except for that she's been seeing her doppelganger interacting with her, mm-hmm. but kind of. Hey, but it's never been malicious. It's just been uh, an acknowledgement of both of them existing. Yes. And um, she sees her doppelganger and slows her car down eventually. Uh, but the she won't let the um, her doppelganger in. They're just yes. she, at, like yelling through the window. Well, not yelling, just kind of talking amicably like, oh, hey, thanks for stopping. Like, can you let me in? Like, why are you, like, not opening the door? And it, it's a weird... So, what it comes off as is uh, her deciding at this point whether to accept that side of herself, like that past mm-hmm. or whatever this doppelganger is representing, ultimately. Um, but, like, refusing to do so because she thinks she's taking control of her life again. Right. Like, Like, she knows how to banish these phantoms of the past knows what to do uh to kind of clear her head and 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 uh restore her sanity and move forward with life and that's to kill them if you kill them you're killing the past and it can't come back to haunt you so she runs the doppelganger off of the side of the road off of a cliff to 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 horrifically bounce down a very long waterfall Oh man, we get some real uh, like like I like it's not a bad dummy. It is a very clearly 1970s dummy. Like they don't have they didn't have the technology to to make a a a not human body uh interact with falls uh <laughs> yeah, as it, well it as they just, do now. It would have just needed like um ball joints or something to make the limbs like move cuz it kind of yes. just it's it's not quite a mannequin, but it, that's what it looks like when it's falling down. But it still doesn't take away like it's not a pleasant scene. No, and it, and it, the it it rolls down uh, it rolls down a hill, uh, uh, and and then uh, goes over a cliff, and it uh, ends up in uh, at the waterfall where uh Catherine has encountered the doppelganger on on a few occasions before before you know yeah. falling down to the pool below and, yeah, it's just uh, it's like dashed on the rocks and it's like okay that's horrific <laughs> yep uh Catherine just drives back to Lo- London and uh really has the most has 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 a break then like that entire sequence is really uh unpleasant uh because 
it feels like she thinks that she's solved all of her problems and has like beaten this thing and it reads to the audience like she's actually going full-blown crazy uh during this drive back uh she at some point she uh uh stops at a phone booth and uh appears to have a conversation, even though we can clearly hear that the, um, uh, the, um, receiver, uh, what is that, uh, dial tone, uh, for the phone, uh, during the conversation, meaning that she's, she's... It's, yeah, it's just humming on an over, uh, over line, or a deadline. Yeah. Um, um, but it seems to indicate that she's talking to Hugh, <laughs> and that she'll be home soon, uh, she gets back. The shower's on for some bizarre reason. So, uh, so right, right before then, yes, she pulls into the the driveway of the apartment. Yes, the apartment number and the street name is is what was told to her on the phone in the very first phone call. Oh man! And I didn't the phone even and it. the phone number that she called. This will happen if you call your own phone number. Is it rings busy because you can't connect to yourself, right? So she, she, <laughs> she calls yes, she, and, and, <laughs> and you can't connect to yourself. Um, yeah. So her her Hugh's infidelities were her own. Yes, that she put Hugh in her place as she keeps kind of doing as she literally right. did. Uh, and we find out in just a moment. Yes, uh, because as she's taking a shower, expecting Hugh to walk in, in walks Catherine, uh, the doppelganger, and Catherine screams, I killed you. The doppelganger says, not me. Cut to uh, the waterfall, slow pan, and there is Hugh at the bottom. Uh, yes. And it's, he, a, it's, he, a, it's oh. a close-up freeze frame of his, like, dead unseeing face and it like does that weird chromatic like bleaching color out yes uh, and he looks like he's also wearing contacts because his eyes are like this really unnatural pale shade of like dead blue it, it, yeah that, that may not be the actor that could have been like uh, a dummy yeah it, it's hard to tell because it's a freeze frame yes um, and <laughs> that's the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not great. Yeah, so... Bad times. The, 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 the doppelganger is there the whole time, and as I said, it's not, um, malicious. It's not doing anything, uh, to, to harm... Catherine, but yes, in taking the place of her husband and kind of just being around, uh, she, she's because it, it's the manifestation of her like guilt and all, all big ball of wax. It's not just guilt; it's other stuff too. Um, right. It doing that never um, it was never a bad thing. Had she let herself into the car, which would have just been letting Hugh into the car because you wanted to ride home uh right that would have been i think her accepting 
the state of her marriage, her pregnancy, her husband, her life. It's not the greatest thing, but it's not terrible. Uh, she would have maybe been able to move on because she did bury the ghosts of um, Marcel and Renee. Yes. So that that would have been the better ending for her, potentially, just given like what the rest of the film has been saying. But because she uh, refused to like grapple with herself, like she's just kind of like letting it go, mm-hmm. or, or outright killing that part of herself when it when that's not she needed to like acknowledge it instead. Uh, is what drives her crazy and, and ends her marriage and her life, really. Yes, because now now she has nothing but herself. <laughs> yeah. So, in that context, the doppelganger is not something evil and didn't kill her. It just killed everybody else. Yes. Metaphorically, well, except for, except for you. Re- yes. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, and she really, she, Catherine really did that. The doppelganger's not at fault. No, the doppelganger didn't do that, and that's that's the big thing is the the car ride and some of the beginning of the movie. I feel uh, isn't Catherine; it's doppelganger vision because we, we, mm. we uh, when she is at the bluff, that's not her; that's the doppelganger. We're, we're given right. to understand. Uh, it is the sense of clarity, is the sense of like knowing she needs a break mm-hmm. before she breaks, right? Uh, and then she ultimately decides to like not acknowledge that anymore, to like not deal with it, and that ends up being for the worst possible ending, yes. Yeah, this, uh, once again, this movie's, like, basically impossible to talk about, uh, in, in a, in the way that we normally talk about films in, uh, with a narrative structure, uh, so, as always, we will, uh, recommend that if anything that we've, we've described to you sounds remotely interesting, you should check it out yourself, uh, it is currently free on Tubi with, uh, commercial interruptions, uh, but, yeah, images, really, uh, beautifully filmed, beautifully scored, really well acted, um, it is it is a fine piece of art about a really unpleasant set of circumstances. So if you appreciate the art of filmmaking, even I would even suggest it. And it is it stands as Robert Altman's only horror film. So there's also that if you're a, a big alt fan. I don't even know if that's a real thing. I just I just made it up. I kind of hope that it's not a real thing because I I hated it and felt bad as soon as I said it. Uh but there we are and well, that's it's okay. We, you you've acknowledged it and we can move on. <laughs> yes, that's right. Now I won't have a doctor doppelganger that is switching between me and Robert Altman. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> I would also recommend Ingmar Bergman's Persona mm-hmm. uh, because that was a heavy influence on this film and deals 
pretty specifically with almost the same set of issues. Yes. And is also a fantastic film. Probably better. Um, no. I, can't I can't say it's the better film, but it's going to be easier to watch. Oh, uh, yeah. More accessible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but despite it, it's, it's a character study and a, a drama, but that's... Uh, I want to say it's may- maybe there's two. I, I think it might just be the one location. It's been a very long time since I've seen that movie. I think it's just in a house. Oh, wow. And, and some fields and with one actress. <clears throat> but anyway, um, if they that would make a good double billing if you've got like four hours to kill. Yeah, if you've got four hours to kill and ooh. I I would I, I'm going to assume that be uh, persona I haven't seen it myself. I'm going to assume persona has a uh, uh, a stronger narrative focus than uh, images. So if you uh, are yeah, po- it's not it's not like you're not gonna be. It's not as obtuse. I think it's a little okay. more straightforward, sort of. Um, but it, it it has that giant like. You're gonna, you're gonna take away from it what you bring to the film, right? Like your own ex- your own experience is going to dictate, I think, like how much you get out of it. Uh, I, yeah, I picked. I think I picked up like the Criterion um, version of that. It's, it's a it's a great movie. Um, it's probably available on uh, the the Criterion channel. Um, which I think you have to subscribe to specifically like out. It's, it's not on Amazon. It's, it's, it's on uh, oh, yeah. service. Um, but I don't think it's very expensive. And there's, that's a, a great... Um, that like I watched all of the old samurai films and things on there because they just had a large collection of uh, art house films. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to wrap us up on um, Doppelgangers. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I wanted to get into the folklore side of it. Uh, maybe we'll all bring that up sometime in the future. Um, some Germanic doppelganger tales, one or two to kind of like just round out the, the whole package. Um, those, however, are not going to be like that's uh, as far as I recall, those are never good. <laughs> like that's just going to be you see them and then you die. Um, Yes, uh, they are portent of death, uh, and in this case, um, that lines up because the doppelganger here is or is a heavy-handed portent of death. Um, that death being cues, but that's just how the cards fell. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed um, taking a look at these very different um, time. Like, there are different time periods, there are different countries, uh, and different film styles. So, yes. you're not going to mistake a Robert Altman film for a uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa film. <laughs> right. Um, but in this instance, um, through these 30 years of time, um, they did thematically kind of tie together. Uh, however, um, Kurosawa's film was entirely uh, positive. It had a, 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 a positive outlook on the future. This is the opposite of that. This is the levels of cure and um, pulse.
Lewis and his previous films where you're just like, yeah, nothing good, <laughs> nothing good's come of any of the events in this film. And you, yes. and you can't have a, um, there's no room really for you to look at uh, Catherine and go, oh yeah, she'll be fine. It's fine. Right. She's okay. Yeah. Yes, no. <laughs> it ended poorly. It ended poorly. And, you know, she will probably end up being arrested. Or who knows, actually, because no one was really on that road yeah, to no, no see one, her. No one saw anything. A dude just fell off the side of the road. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. All right. I think that is going to do it for this episode. But before we leave, uh, a bit of admin on... Our parts, Dave, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Sentina underscore plus. You can find the podcast itself and back and back backlog of episodes at monsterdeer.monster. Uh, our our wayward co-host Cameron, you can find on Twitter at night underscore twin, and that's night without a K. And Leonard, where can folks find you? People can find me online on Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead. Uh, now that uh, that my life is starting to fall back into place, uh, I am tweeting significantly more, even more than I was tweeting before uh, my life imploded. Uh, because, hey, guess what? Third acts are for uh, big bombast or uh, something like that. So... Uh, I'm going to be talking about all sorts of stuff and have been talking about all sorts of stuff from cleaning supplies to saving potentially dying orchids to uh, fawning over uh, a bed and mattress. Lots of stuff because I, I'm an old man and I've got old man energy up uh, the wazoo. Uh, I just literally used wazoo to show how much old man I am. Uh, and uh, for my upcoming film work, uh, uh, sorry, uh, you can find my video essay work by also searching Dr. Faust on YouTube. And for my upcoming uh, uh, live action film work, uh, you can uh, uh, search for uh, Umbernox Productions uh, on YouTube. Uh, just be aware that there is literally nothing there. Although now that I'm getting settled, I'm going to be putting, hopefully putting the finishing, wrapping up uh, my first little bit of media for that channel uh, within the next month. Uh, hopefully before uh, the end of October. Uh, and that is where you can find me. And I think... That is all. Yes, Dave? Yeah, that, that wraps us up. Um, <laughs> next episode, we don't have anything specifically on the docket. I do, however, um, ha I have been floated the idea of covering um, Canterbury Ghost and a few adaptations of that, so that might be soon. Um, maybe sometime okay. in October. Uh, I'm thinking uh, we don't all we don't really do seasonal stuff too often because we're in the monster discussion uh, field, so it's always spooky time. Um, yes, so we'll we'll let y'all know um, in a few days what what's to what to expect. 
doppelgangers have been pretty much checked off the list. Uh, maybe something fun uh, and light and not depressing destruction of one's own past. Uh, so we'll keep you posted. Um, yeah, I think that's us saying, uh, signing off and saying bye-bye, folks. Goodbye, everyone.